Today I'm going to wrap it up. First week we talked about I believe in God, but I don't know him. Really learning that relationship with Jesus and what does that look like. Uh, week two we talked about I believe in God, but I don't fear him. And really talking about the fear of God and what does that look like. I really enjoyed putting that together and teaching it. And the one I'm going to close out today is I believe in God, but don't go overboard. Like, don't ask too much from me, Jesus. You know, don't ask for me to serve in the church. Don't ask for me to do things because I like just the way my Christianity is right now. It's in a pretty little box with a nice pretty bow, and I'm happy with it that way. So we're going we're gonna to break some of those things today. Amen? We're going to take a hammer of the word, and we're going to shatter those comfortable areas of our life. Because if the church ever needed to rise up, the time is now. The church needs to shine in the glory of God. And if we can break off these comfortable zones that we're in and get a little uncomfortable for Jesus, we are going to see North Phoenix one for Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to share a testimony quick before I get into my message, but I, as you know, I meet with pastor's wives every month, the first Thursday of every month, and I've committed to do that, and Elder Karen and her team come in and put a beautiful display. They really make the church shine and me shine, but we've been doing this for five months now, and every month is a, is a different group of gals, couple the same, but then we add new pastor's wives, and so I bought a, um, a board of the Phoenix City with the zip codes in it, and I put it on a pedestal, and uh, I did decided when all the ladies come, they take a red pin and they put it where their church is. And every time we come together every month, the last thing we do is we lay hands on the map of Phoenix and we pray for every church. We pray for their churches. We pray for a move of God. And so because the pins were so small, though, I decided I'm going to get some yarn and I want to see, you know, so I can actually see where the pins are. Well, I couldn't believe it, but from the top of the map down to the bottom, I started the yarn here and the yarn went completely around the city. And I'm like, look at God. We have the city surrounded in prayer from churches, from pastors' wives saying, we are going to cover this city with prayer and in unity. And I said to myself, there is, I got goosebumps. There is no mistakes with God, amen, when we can come together in the unity of the faith. And I tell you, the devil's fighting hard on this, but I'm saying, I'm not giving up. We're going to go after the unity of the church, amen. So, Anyway, I just had a little side note because I got excited. So what happens? You know, we put God in this checkbox. Like, I went to church, check. I read my Bible, check. And we do all these good deeds, but God is looking for more. He's looking for our hearts to fully be open to what he has and what he's called you to do in this season of life. Amen. What we find out is we, we believe in God, but we don't live as if he exists. So let me say that again. We believe in God, but we don't live as if he exists. In other words, I may get my Sunday in, but I don't really pay attention to God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of the week because life gets us by surprise. And God doesn't want to be left on Sunday. And what happens is sometimes we don't even make every Sunday of the month, and then we only have God one time a month. And that intimacy with God, that we get into a complacent and a comfortable zone with God. And I, I want to break that in this city. I, want, I believe this is just a problem with the church of Jesus Christ right now. What we went through in the, in the pandemic, instead of the church running to the house of God, running to a place of worship for healing and laying on of hands, we ran away from the church church. If that wasn't an assignment of the devil, I don't know what was. I will promise you this, and you can mark it down and date it, I will never shut the doors of this church again. Ever. Ever. 
If it's 10 of us walking and praying, I will not shut down the house of God. I will not be deceived again. We will never stop the move of God, amen, because the enemy has an agenda. If I look back and did some studies, let's see if I can find my notes, but I did some studies of past uh, pandemics, and Amy Simple McPherson, how many know her? Great revivalist, incredible woman of God. And during the Spanish flu, the whole city was shut down just like it was when we went through it. All the masks, all the media blasting. But they had dead people literally lining up in the streets. They couldn't even fit them in the morgues. But I'll tell you what the Church of Jesus did in 19, whatever it was, 40-something. They ran to the house of God. You couldn't get in the house of God. There was a line around the corner saying, we've got to get in there. We've got to get prayer. We've got to get hands laid on because we serve a God that heals. We serve a great big God. And that's the church that was not comfortable with God. That was a church that was not um, comfortable in their lives, I mean, and and apathetic and and, uh, complacent with God. Amen? It was a church that was alive. A church that was on fire. It was the church that was, God was number one. They didn't put God number two. God was number one. And the church of Jesus today needs to get back into that zone, amen, that God's going to be number one no matter what. Hell or high water, I'm always going to put God in the driver's seat of my life. And you can't go wrong when you do that, amen. If you look at, I looked up the word apathy and I looked up the word complacent because I believe those are two things that is hovering over the body of Jesus Christ today. And the word apathy means this. It makes you feel like you're empty or feeling nothing, right? There's a change in your demeanor where there's no emotion. And I think so many people, they're identifying it as depression, which is very real in the world today. But apathy comes from not going on vacation from God, but actually driving further into God. If you want to get your joy back, if you want to get your fire back, do something for Jesus. Serve somewhere in the church because we are called to be vessels of the living God. We're not called to live like the world lives. Come on, somebody. We're called to do something. And when your spirit is doing what God's called you to do, there's a joy that cannot be taken from you. Amen? So apathy, there's a sense of I don't really feel like doing anything. I don't feel on fire for God. I don't feel excited anymore. And it's a real spirit. But I want you to say this. Say, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. spirit. Apathy wants to shut down the church of Jesus Christ. If, If that spirit can make the church feel like I can't even get out of bed in the morning, who will rise up and win this world to Jesus? See, it's a spirit. If you look at um, complacency, it means this, satisfied with the current situation and unconcerned with changing it. How many of us fit in that box? Like, oh, I'm just happy the way things are. I'm happy with the way my life is. I got just enough God to get me to heaven and keep me out of hell. But I won't let God challenge me in any other areas of my life. We've got to allow the spirit of God to come in and challenge the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because the church is what's going to save the world. The church is what's going to change the nations. It's not going to be the government. It's not going to be policy change. The world is making us look at the natural. God says the government rests upon his shoulders, 
My responsibility is to lift up the name of Jesus. And when I do, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen. We got to quit looking as the world sees it. We got to start looking unto Jesus. Amen. And when we do that, we'll see the awakening of the church. We'll see the revival of the church. We won't need all these wonderful things that the church offers for revival. We will just walk in revival because the church is awakening by the spirit of God. I want to look at some scripture verses this morning, and we're going to look at a letter that was in um, Revelations. My uh, microphone keeps falling out. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. We're looking at these letters, and these were letters written. Uh, Jesus wrote these letters, but John penned them, and Jesus spoke what these letters were about. And these were seven letters to the churches. And all six of the letters that you read in Revelations, it is um, a, Jesus first talks about the good things of the church, and then he brings correction. But in this letter to Laodicea, he never brought any good. He immediately went to correction. And I truly believe that the church is walking in Laodicea, this apathetic, lukewarm spirit. And I can understand why he had to pen this letter about Laodicea because of the season of the church. And so it's very parallel with what I believe we're walking in today and what we have to recognize as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you look at Laodicea... Um, Let's see, my numbers, my pages are off just a little bit. I'm so sorry. Okay, let's do this. So um, Laodicea was this. It was a very wealthy city. Um, it had been destroyed by an earthquake, and they were so wealthy they were able to rebuild it. They had huge theaters there. They had uh, large stadiums, lavish public baths, fabulous shopping centers. And as I was studying this and writing this down, it made me think of Dubai. Like Dubai is so fabulous. Everything is clean, and the buildings are monstrous, and there's so much wealth there. And I kind of pictured Laodicea as the same way. And so as, as um, he's reading in Revelations 3, let's take a look at the scripture. It says this, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, now, the angel is the pastor, if you study that out. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the rulers of God's creation. Verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. If you look at the lukewarmness there, he's talking about the conditions of the heart or the soul. A lukewarmness. We're not on fire for God anymore. Our hearts aren't troubled for the things that trouble God. We don't have a sense of conviction or drawing or what God would want in our life. Are we willing to lay our lives down as a living sacrifice? Are we willing to walk out of movie theaters with movies that are really demonic and devilish and we shouldn't be watching them? Are we really having, and I'm not trying to put laws out there and legalism because I don't believe in that, but I'm talking about a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Or have we gotten so lukewarm and comfortable that I feel just good enough with Jesus and I'm okay with that? And he's saying in Revelations, that's not okay. It's not okay that we feel comfortable in our little religious box, getting just enough of God, but not allowing the fullness of the Holy Spirit to work and move through our life. Verse 17 says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What has taken the place in our life that we have been lulled to sleep as the church of Jesus Christ? That we're so afraid to open up our mouths and preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We're so afraid to sit down with someone who may have issues against the word of God and just share the word and allow them to open up. We're so afraid to stand on the faith of Jesus Christ. We've got lulled to sleep. What is taking place of Jesus in our life? What have we put in the front and we put God to the back because we've gotten lukewarm, slowly been lulled to sleep? Jesus says in verse 20, here I am. You know what he's saying? I didn't leave you, but you left me. He said, here I am. I'm here. I'm on the door knocking, he says. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. Are you hearing me? Do you hear my voice? Because if you do, you will open the door and I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. Jesus has not left our lives, but we have quieted and dulled our ability and discernment to hear God in our life. We've gotten so busy and comfortable with how life is that we're really not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. Amen? He's not left us. He said, here I am. I want to come in and I want to dine with you. I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you. I want to give you my plan. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to give you joy. I want to give you hope. But you don't hear me knocking because there's so much noise in your world that you can't even hear Jesus knocking on the door saying, let me in. What did he say early in that verse? He says, I know your deeds, not just what you say and believe, but I watch what you do. He says, I know your deeds, but how you live your life with God is neither hot or it's cold. He said, I wish you were one or the other. Do you know how we live reflects the true reality of what we believe? So we can say one thing. We can talk the word. We can talk God. We can come in here and be spiritual. But when I go home and I'm at my job and I'm with my family members, what are my actions in my life? Am I talking about Jesus? Is my first instinct when somebody says, man, I got this pain. Let me pray for you to be healed in the name of Jesus. That's an awake church. That's a church that is attentive to the spirit of the Lord. Amen. Revival is not going to happen in a building. It's going to happen out there, and then they're going to come into the building. And how's that going to happen? You are the church of Jesus Christ. Everybody go like this. Everybody's got hands. Praise the Lord. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can cast demons out of someone. Everybody's got the ability to talk. You can share your testimony of Jesus and lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Amen. It's time for the church to do the work of Jesus Christ and quit being lulled to sleep by the enemy. Jesus says, I see how you live. <laughs> doesn't matter what I think, but God sees us. And he's longing. These whole three weeks' messages have been about bringing us into this intimate, accountable relationship with the Father. Back to the old days, 30 years ago when people got saved, they got plugged into the church. They started serving. They started giving. They brought their friends, their families, their aunts, their uncles. And the church was built on a movement of people really surrendering to Jesus Christ. Now the church has made it easy to be born again. We've made it easy to experience Jesus instead of laying out the accountability of our walk with the Father. Amen. So I want to tell you a little history about Laodicea. 
they had their water piped in from one location. I forgot to write down the city, but from one of the neighboring cities. And one of them had hot springs. And one of them would have the first part of the water would be cold. And then following that water, when it would come through to the city of Laodicea, it would start off cold and it would begin to get lukewarm and then hot. And so what they would do is when they'd have the feast or the festivals, they'd put all the like prestigious people at the front of the line at the table, all the wealthy people so that they got the cold drink, so they got the best of the water. But the people that were at the end of the line, at the end of the feast, got the warm water. Everything put to the back got the warm water. Ask me, do we have Jesus in the front where he's getting our best? You know, where he's getting our relationship, where we're reading the word of God. Are we putting him so far back here that he gets the least of us, the least of our relationship with him? Amen? So when Jesus was writing this letter or saying this letter to John, he talked in a way that they understood. He talked their language. They understood lukewarm water and how that was only for the, the people who had no value. It says this in verse 16. So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And that word spit there means to spew, spit, or vomit, rejection, or supremely repulsed. That's incredible. Now, I'm a, I'm a preacher, and you know that I've been your pastor for a long time. I want to tell you how good God is, and I want to tell you how good you are. But if we are not hot for God... If we are not accountable to our actions and our behavior and conviction of the Holy Spirit, God says, I will spit you out of my mouth. How many has ever drank something lukewarm before? First thing, first thing you want to do, it, it's the instinct of throw up. God is not impressed with lukewarmness. He wants us to get on fire again. He wants us to get our first love back again. A lukewarm Christian is, this is how it generally happens. Number one, they've fallen away so slowly that they don't recognize that they, their own complacency. It just happens so slow. You'd be like, well, I haven't fallen away from God still coming to church. But if you look at your behavior, you look at your choices, you look at your bank account, how much is going to Jesus, you look at your amount of serving the house of God, you have been lulled to sleep. Lukewarm. This isn't a message of condemnation. This should excite you because we can get back on fire for God. It's like that frog that you put. They put it in a boiling water. That frog's going to jump out. But you put that frog in lukewarm water, it's going to slowly boil to death. And that's what happens with complacency. That's what happens with lukewarm Christians. Or number two, someone who is still trying to figure out how to get the best of both worlds. Do I need to say that again? Y'all got quiet. I don't know. I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm just speaking the word. Amen. Someone who is still trying to figure out how to get the best of both worlds. That is a lukewarm heart. When you are sold out to Jesus, you pay the price. You lay down what God asks you to lay down. You do things that hurt. You'll do things that will rip your heart out and make you cry because you are going to honor the Father. That's when you know that you have connected to God. We don't always get it right, but at least we're aiming towards what God wants. In either case, right, both is a level of deception from the enemy and is confusing and damaging not only to your life but the body of Jesus Christ. Lukewarm Christianity causes the church to stop doing the will of God. What happens when we get lukewarm? We stop giving. 
We stop serving. We stop attending. And the church of Jesus Christ that is called to catapult into the city now becomes quiet and weak and anemic and can do very little for Jesus because it doesn't have the resources or the people to do what it's called to do. Amen? It's not the pastor's job to raise up the church. Amen? You are the church of Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility. I don't know how my notes got out of order, but okay. All right. What's worse about a lukewarm heart is it teaches us that we can do all of that with no consequences. And what does it do? It perverts the grace of God. Perverted grace. And grace is not an ability to sin. I don't get to sin because I have grace. Grace empowers me to overcome sin. I can lay that thing down. I can do what God's, because grace comes in and strengthens me to do what God's called me to do. Amen. I couldn't have done it without the grace of God in my life. I have to still have to step into God's grace to do some of the hard things God's asked me to do in my life. And they're not always popular. Francis Chan says this. He said, lukewarm Christians don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want to be saved from the consequences of their sin. Isn't that good? <laughs> Say it again. So I'm going to throw a napkin. Lukewarm Christians don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want to be saved from the consequences of their sin. Yeah, you guys know what the oxymoron is. It's like two words together, but they mean opposites. There's like act natural, uh, uh, tight slacks, jumbo shrimp. How many love some shrimp? Jumbo shrimp. But I look at the word lukewarm Christian, and it's like the same thing to me. It's such an oxymoron. Because we are disciples of Christ. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have his DNA. We have the word of God that can change every situation in our life. And yet we're lukewarm. We're blaming people. We're blaming the church. We blame the worship team. We blame they don't go deep enough in the Bible. They go too deep in the Bible. It's too loud. It's too cold. It's too soft. All these things that we just look to. It's an oxymoron. Christians should be on fire for Jesus. Amen. Amen. God's getting ready for a revival in America. Amen. A revival, an awakening, a move of God. And that's why I'm challenging this church, lay aside the things that we don't need to have in our life right now so we can be attentive to what God wants coming up. I'm going to give seven signs briefly this morning of lukewarm Christian. Number one, we become content without Jesus. We become content without Jesus. And let me read this scripture verse. It says this. We're going to read Hebrews. As this, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. What happens when, when I'm content without Jesus, I'm not at home reading the word of God. I can tell you if you're having problems in your world and attitude and fighting and all this going on, where is your word level? I can guarantee you there's no word in your house because there's contention. If there's word, I'm telling you, you have the promises of God you are pulling on all the time. Amen. When you're, when you're content without Jesus, you're not into worship. You're not into prayer. You're not inattentive to what God has. We don't serve anymore. So we become lulled to sleep. And now instead of you being teachers of the word, you have to go back to the milk of the word of God. And that's where the church is today. 
We have to go back to these principles because we lost the basics of I love Jesus. I live by the full word of God, not portion of it, but I live by the full word of God, and I win my neighbors to Jesus Christ. That's what the church should look like, amen? Number two, we ignore teachings and convictions of the Holy Spirit. We don't allow others to speak to us. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin or even the Bible to counsel us. Think about it. When was the last time we actually had the word cut us when we read it alone? When was the last time? The word of God should cut you. When you read it, you should go, my God, that hurt. But it cuts the heart. It cuts the soul. Amen? And God convicts you. 2 Timothy says this, 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. This is right now. Sound teaching. But they have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Do you know how many false teachers there are out there? I'm on TikTok, and I'm going to tell you something. There are some even young guns teaching stuff that is so unbiblical, but it'll be something you'll want to hear. It'll be something that will feel good to your flesh. You're like, yep, that's right. I knew that was true. And yet we'll believe all these people out here. We don't know their lifestyle. We don't know what they're doing in their life. But we've, oh, that's a word from God. But you take a pastor who's in front of you living with integrity, living a lifestyle that you see, but, oh, I don't know, Pastor Barb, I don't think that's right. You shouldn't be preaching about that. Why? Because we want things that line up to what we want to believe. Instead of let the word say, no, that's going to cut my flesh. I don't like it, but it's the word of God, and the word of God is the final authority. Let the word challenge you, amen? We don't want to be a place where I only want to hear the good things. I want to hear some things that's going to challenge me, change me, equip me in what God's called me to do, amen? All right, number three. We, become, we welcome and value teachings of philosophers and thought leaders over the full counsel of God. We'll listen to self-help people, motivational people, people who may teach things out of the written word of God, outside of the canon, and say, well, that's got to be the final authority. And we believe that, but we don't want to believe the full counsel of the word of God. Amen? We don't let philosophies of Buddha come into our life. No, that's not okay. We don't let philosophies and, and share things that are of, of new age and, oh, that's really good. No, it's not good. It's demonic. The thing that's good is the word of God. Amen? Nothing else gives me joy, pleasure, can speak to my spirit, but the living word of God. Amen. Number four, you would rather remain neutral than live set apart. This is so real today, isn't it? It's so hard for us for some reason. We feel like, oh, well, we're in this cancel culture and I can't hurt your feelings. And well, don't hurt their feelings on anything, but hurt their feelings with the word of God. Because there's power in the word of God. Amen. The word of God is what changed us. And it's the same word of God that's going to change them. Don't be afraid to have hard conversations with people. Find the word of God. Walk in love and let that be true. Let your life be set apart. Let your life be known that when you are out in the world, they know you serve Jesus. They know you love God. They know you're the one they can go to when they need hope and healing and prayer. Amen? All right. Number five. We rarely share our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And that's a lost art in the kingdom too, isn't it? Number six, we only turn to God when we are in a bind. We go through a tough situation. We're being challenged or marriage or relationships or something. And we run to God. We run to the church. But we don't have God fully in our life. That's a lukewarm heart. Does God want you to run to him? Absolutely. But he's not wanting to look at your backside once he's met your need. He's like, you've come home, prodigal son and daughter. Awesome. Now stay here. Amen? All right. I'm hot up here. How about you all? Woo! I think it's this message, Jesus. Pray for me. I got to tell you the truth, amen? Number seven, what, want the benefits of Christ, wait, want the benefits of what Christ did without conforming to who he is. Isn't that good? So challenging that we want all the word says, but I don't want to change my lifestyle. I don't want to change my conversation. I don't want to deal with pornography. I don't want to deal with adultery. I don't want to deal with fornication, but God, give me all your blessings. That's a lukewarm heart. Amen? We don't come to God condemned, but we come going, God, get rid of the junk in my life. Amen. I'll tell you, even in ministry, you guys, I have to be so mindful because I have to be in the Bible to prepare messages for you. But that Bible preparation is not a relationship with God. I'm preparing a word for you that God gave me. But I can be, have to be careful because I could think, well, I had my Bible time. And I never sat down and talked to God. I never sat down to hear his voice. I may walk and pray for you, but do I sit in his presence and just worship him? So I, I have to guard that in my life, that I'm a full-time pastor but a part-time Christian. You know, you might be a full-time mom but a part-time Christian. Full-time student but a part-time Christian. We have to be careful that these religious things are not masquerade as a relationship with God. Amen? We can't be comfortable. We have to allow to, ourselves to come out of this complacency and this apathy in our life. Do you know there's many places in, in the nation and, um, that are on fire for God? Do you know in China with all of the communism and the lockdown and the lockdowns and, the, you, you know, you'll be killed in China for serving Jesus? Do you know that there's revival in China in the underground church? In the underground church. They weren't weakened by what they went through. They were strengthened by what they went through. The Afghanistan missionaries that were over there, they weren't weakened and running for fear. They were excited to win people to Jesus and get them saved. They got excited. Why is it a problem in America? Because we have so many things that fulfill us. Laodicea. We've got movies, we've got entertainment, we've got travel, we've got all lights and sounds and all of this that we're putting number one in our life. And we've quieted the voice of God. We've quieted the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come into my life and trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. Change me, God. Amen? The church needs to be so centered with the Holy Spirit right now because the spirit that's in the world is only going to get stronger. It's not going to get weaker. The spirit that's in the world today is not what we are wrestling in the natural. There is a demonic antichrist spirit that is trying to divide and conquer the church. If you think this is about anything else, you are deceived. 
Because the devil's mission on here isn't just to have you have trouble at your job and help not pay your bills. No, that's not what it's about. His mission is to do everything against the will of the Father God. And what is the will of God? His church, his bride. So he's coming against the church and trying to weaken it. Verse 17, let's read it again. He said, you say I'm rich, I required wealth, and I don't need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. When we are on fire for God, things begin to change in our life. Amen? What happens? I crave acceptance from God. I don't need acceptance from man. I don't care what people think. I only want it from the Father. I share Jesus whenever and wherever possible. You don't have to be like a weirdo and maniac about it. You know, there's some, you know, some Christians can be a little weird. But when you sense the moment of the Holy Spirit and you're like, man, I need to share my faith with them or I just need to pray with them. We long to be with them eternally in heaven. We realize that this world is not my home. Amen. This is not my home. This is such a small part of eternity. I give radically, generously, and fanatically. I give to God. Why? Because his kingdom means everything. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. I grieve over sinfulness. I grieve. I'm troubled when I get out of order with God. I don't need man to convict me. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me. And last is I, I'm different and I'm set apart. When we are on fire for God, we're different. We need to be different. The world needs to see us different. Not perfect, but set apart. That that's someone I can call. That's someone I can reach out to when I'm in despair. But if the world can't discern the world from the church and we look too much alike, who's going to change the world? We're deceived. We're powerless and we're lukewarm because we're spit out of his mouth. We feel good emotionally, but we have no power. Amen? Let me close with this scripture. Praise team can come forward. Revelations 3.19 says this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So God loves us, amen? He loves us to rebuke us sometimes. He loves to expose the issues of our heart. And what does he ask in return? So be earnest and, everybody say it, it's not a cuss word. <laughs> say it together. Repent. Repent. There's a need for repentance in our life, amen? There's a need for our hearts to be bent towards the Father. Not to please man, but to honor God. Amen? And that's what I'm going to ask us to do as a church. Let's repent of those areas we're lukewarm in. I'm going to challenge this church over the next few months to really step up. This church needs to grow. It needs to be what God's called it to be. And it's going to take the core group of us to say, we are going to do this thing. We're going to rise up and be the church. We need people to serve in every department right now. If you're not serving or you have a small servant position, sign up somewhere else. Let's get this church in position where we are called to do what we're called to do. Amen? And it's going to take a church to say, I'll do whatever it takes, Pastor Barb. I'll do whatever it takes to do what God's called me to do to build the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you take care of my, church, my house, I'll take care of yours. And what happens is people's houses get out of order, and then they step away from God. Well, my life is too busy. No, your life is out of order. Don't take God out of the equation. God's the only thing that anchors you, amen? God's the only thing that's stable and a sure thing. And that's what the church needs to get back to. So, God, whatever you want us to do, 
Whatever you want in this season is what I want in my life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you, God, that you are truly challenging us with the word, challenging us with the hidden places of our heart, God, where we've gotten comfortable, low to sleep, apathetic, God, complacent, whatever it is. And I pray that in this house, God, you will do an awakening, that you will shake us, Lord God, that, Lord, as we leave this place today, we will hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will long for your presence. We will long for your word. We will long for your anointing, Father God. I thank you that you will set this church on fire, God, that we will not have to drag into the future, but, God, we will pick up and we will move on together for what you called us to do in the name of Jesus that, God, the harvest is ripe, the harvest is ready, God, and that they are just waiting for us to rise up, to receive them into this house, Father God. And, Lord, any area where we've given over to apathy, God, being lukewarm in our life, just ask the Lord right now to forgive you. Just ask the Lord. It's between you and the Father. Say, God, forgive us. Forgive me for being lukewarm. Forgive me for putting you on the back burner of my life instead of in the front. Hallelujah. God, we put you back into the driver's seat. Speak to us, lead us, guide us into all truth, Father God. I want everyone just to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me for being lukewarm set me on fire open my heart ignite my spirit to hear your voice and follow your will in the precious name of Jesus amen and amen church I love you so much and I'm so thankful to be your pastor we are celebrating five years coming up we are entering the year of grace hallelujah and this church, I, I told you I have been obeying the Holy Spirit. I put things in place that God told me to put into place. One was a discipleship program rooted. Sign up in September. It's a 10-week program to teach you how to walk with the Lord. Maybe I preach this. You're like, I don't understand that. We have a program for you. We have Celebrate Freedom, which is eight weeks of how to break addictions and strongholds. Get in there. Lives are being changed in that group. Literally, deliverances, freedom are happening. And I'll tell you the news today. I won't make you wait till next week. But I asked the Lord, I said, God, what is next for faith builders? What do you want? What is a decision I need to make for this church to be positioned? And the Lord told me, bring back the midweek service. So we are bringing back the midweek service. I am so excited. I just told our team this morning. And I have a plan for it. I don't know when it's going to be, not quite right away, but it's going to be more uh, Bible college curriculum, going deep into the words. You're going to bring your notebooks and your Bibles. It's not going to be another church service, but God wants us to mature in the word of God. Amen. So this church has everything we need to be what God's called us to be. I have obeyed him. So all I ask as your pastor is to get excited get on board, catch the vision, let's run with this thing, amen, because doing things for Jesus is fun, there's a yeah. joy serving God, amen, and I'm telling you, if you're on the outside, get in, because this church is about to explode, I'm telling you, new people are going to come in, and we need to be ready and excited for it, amen, I know I am, and I know you will be too, anyway, I love you all, let's welcome Pastor Bingalani to close out our service today.